Good morning. Uh, it is good to be with you folks today. Uh, my name is Brad Anderson. I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, usually when I say that, people are like, I've never heard of anyone from Asheville. Uh, it's turned into quite the city since I graduated high school. Uh, my home church is Pinecrest A.R. Clarkin, so I always commuted South Asheville to, to Hendersonville, Flat Rock area. Grow up there. Um, joy to be in a good ARP church to share God's word with you today. Perhaps you, well, uh, and like the little bio said, I am married. And I have two boys and two girls. Uh, same order, same order as the kids in the Chronicles of Narnia. Boy, girl, boy, girl, uh, and, and we're we're doing okay. There's a little sickness. You may hear me slightly congested. I'm on the recovering end of it, but but what a joy it is to be here. Perhaps you looked in the order of service and you saw that we're going to look at Lamentations 5 today. Uh, most people approach the book of Lamentations as if it's a book that only the special ops can go into. Uh, you go to Lamentations 3, you pull out that God's faithful, and then you run away because the rest of Lamentations is kind of dark and scary. Uh, but really, Lamentations is a, a dear book for, um, for understanding true joy, uh, but to also understand words uh, of grief. Uh, even modern Jews use these poems uh, uh, in their calendrical year to, uh, to observe grief and to remember a time in their history when things were not well and good. But as we think about that, let me pray for our time together, and we'll dive in. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are in your word, in your revelation to us as your people, that we might know you, that we might hear of your mercy and know of your grace, and we know your word was made flesh in your Son. So, may we read your word and and hear from it today uh, what the Spirit decides for us to hear. May our hearts be warmed by we may live in glory to you, our God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we uh, look in Lamentations, let's go ahead and open up to Lamentations 5, and we'll read it in its entirety. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pray uh, for the. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no. Rest. We have the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our sinned and our slaves rule. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot, as hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate, the young men, their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we 
have sinned. For this is our heart, for this our heart has become sick, for these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Well, as we look at Lamentations, there's there's maybe a a bit of a running start that would be helpful to understand. If you leaf through, you just kind of leaf back through some of the book of Lamentations, you'll see that most of the books are 22 verses long, or most of the poems, because that's what these are, they're poems. And then the third chapter is 66 verses long, which is pretty much 22 tripled, correct? So if you look at uh, chapter 3, you'll see... You know, the first three verses go together, the second three verses go together, the third, so on and so forth, and they're all set. So what does 22 mean? What's it matter? Well, 22 is the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and this book and these poems are constructed as poetry, but they're acrostics. So start with letter A, and that's what that verse begins with. In chapter 3, each uh, third segment of each starts with A, starts with B, starts with C, so on and so forth. So it's a way for them to remember their poetry, a way to remember how things have gone. But the fifth chapter really is unique in its own. because While it some of that structure, it is, it is different. It doesn't hold it to the acrostic perfectly. Uh, it's actually a, a prayer poem. It is a piece of community uh, lament. It, it's it's something for God's people, the church, to say and understand together. Well, what got Israel to this place? A, a bit of history. Um, by 608 uh, B.C., uh, God's people are, are just in a mess, and they're about 587 is, is the ultimate uh, move to Babylon, uh, and things are falling apart for them. And under King Zedekiah, which is kind of the final puppet king uh, uh, under Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah decides to rebel. He rebels selfishly. And if you're someone who enjoys art, if you look at Rembrandt's picture of Jeremiah uh, mourning over Jerusalem, you'll see this shadowy figure running out of Jerusalem with his hands over his eyes, and that's a depiction of Zedekiah because Nebuchadnezzar had his eyes removed for the upheaval that he caused. So because of that upheaval, Nebuchadnezzar lays waste to towns of Judah and then comes to Jerusalem and lays siege to Jerusalem, and siege is a a military term where uh, you surround the city, nothing gets in or gets out, and so people starve and they waste away, and it is a sad time in the life of Jerusalem for these people, Uh, and that's, we're going to discuss here why, Uh, but it is a very, very difficult time. So that's a brief history. Uh, The author more than likely is Jeremiah, but the poems explicitly state Jeremiah. Um, Structure, structure speaks. I mentioned to you these acrostics. Well, also, if you look at the book of Lamentations, you can see the center one is, is bulkier, Lamentations 3. 
And how does Structure speak? What does it matter to us? Well, I haven't been there, but perhaps you visited the 9-11 memorial in, in Manhattan. Um, it's a place where you go to see what destruction has done. You can go and you can touch names. You could see the art of how they've constructed that time. You could see the waterfall, the, the descending, cascading waterfalls of where the towers used to be. And though you haven't been there, though you didn't experience that maybe personally, you can, we can experience the grief and the mourning as a country and even as that city uh, hap uh, dealt with at that time. Also in Lamentations is interesting. I mentioned the fifth poem is a communal lament. Well, there are a lot of different voices in Lamentations. There's, there's I have done this, or I have seen this, or you have done this, and you have seen this, or we have done this, and we have seen this. It's a, a full-orbed experience of God's people going through a struggle together. And maybe perhaps, well, again, what does that matter? Well, uh, last summer in July, my father passed away after a long uh, not too long, but long enough battle with uh, pancreatic cancer. And at his funeral, um, and many of you have experienced this, when you're in line and, and you receive family and friends, and, and they're here to help you mourn, but all of a sudden you realize you're there to help them mourn, and, and you embrace and you cry together, and there, because, but all of a sudden you see, well, there's, there's this thing that I'm going through as the loved one is lost in my life, but there's also something that you're going through as someone is lost in your life. But then all of a sudden we, we have this shared bond of, of we, what we are experiencing as we, we lose this. And that's what Lamentations helps us as God's people understand, the I, the you, the we, in what it means to, to suffer and to lose uh, in a, in a devastating way. In a sense, you look at Lamentations and you hear someone who can't believe what they're saying. Uh, on a lighter note, you know, a good number of kids and families in here. I'm sure we have a you know, good number of parents and grandparents. You say things as a parent. You construct sentences that you've never constructed ever before in your life. And uh, some that I've recorded for my own children and I could say this because they're not here. Um, I had to look at one one time and say, you know, the dog doesn't need a steady diet of Legos. That's a weird sentence, isn't it? And you don't expect ever to put those things together. Uh, you don't eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches wearing mittens, right? That's a, that's a weird comment. But the one that we've repeated over and over again to our third child, second boy, um, if you want to go outside you have to wear more than a cape, okay? And so, uh, you know, he's, he's a lively one. He had a phase of wearing his Superman cape, and there were times when that's all he wanted to wear, and he didn't mind who, who saw everything else. While that's on the light side, perhaps you're caught by surprise uh, by having to write an obituary you never, ever thought you'd have to write at this time and in this moment. And that's where some of these phrases and this language and lamentations comes from, too. Sorrow, uh, amazingly devastating things happening to this community. Um, but perhaps you've experienced that in your own life, your own family, as a church and as a community, having to write things and say things that you never thought that you would say. 
Well, I want us to look at, uh, at Lamentations 5 and take three things away. One, understanding in this prayer, it's something the community is confessing together. Uh, one is the consequences of covenantal unfaithfulness. Um, I'll go ahead and give all three points here at the beginning. Two, uh, a confession of covenant unfaithfulness. And then three, really, a limping faith. Well, what are the consequences of un, uh, covenant unfaithfulness? We look here in verses in verse 1, well, verses 1 and 2. It starts out, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. Remember, remember is the language of a covenant people trying to find and talk to their covenant God. Where else might we have heard remember? You think of the Exodus. Aren't we your people? Lord, remember us now. Take us away. So God's people in this amazing strife, and Lamentations is written like during and just after the fall of Jerusalem, as people are being taken away to Babylon. Some remain, many go. Actually, the cream of the crop, they take them to Babylon to try and kind of brainwash them. But here, they're saying, remember. Even look and see. Look and see. This whole book asks of the Lord something, and this book never receives a comforting word from the Lord. If you look back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll see uh, the, the promises of covenant faithfulness and then a long list of promises of covenant unfaithfulness. In Lamentations, being the bookends of being one of the bookends of this amazing structure, uh, they're so distraught. The author seems to be so distraught in what he is writing. Uh, that he can't use the acrostic. There are 22 verses, but it's not A, B, C, D. They're just, they're just thoughts. It's as if you're watching maybe one of your favorite boxers or you see someone fighting and they've lost their leg. They're stumbling and they're swinging for, for understanding that they can't find. They want to know. They want to speak. They want to remember. And they call out, God, well, won't you remember? And perhaps, well, they definitely do. They hear silence. And perhaps you've experienced that in your own life, in your prayer life. You want an answer. You want a vocal something. And you're met with silence. You're met with having to remember yourself what the promises of the Lord are. Look and see. Another element of grief and suffering is in this phrase, look and see. And it's in various places in Lamentations. Chapter 1, verse 9, verse 11. Um, God is silent by not sending a prophetic message to Jerusalem. His silence provokes them to look and see within themselves. This past summer, uh, like Jonathan said, I, you know, I'm often up at Bong Clark and doing youth stuff helping out with Quest and Horizon. I had my youth group kids up there, and we're, uh, we're up at DuPont State Park. And we're down at the swimming hole, uh, and they've placed on a sawhorse a sign that says, don't climb on this rock face. And not only is the sawhorse in front of a rock face, it's in the middle 
of a walking path. And just and they don't want you to climb up there to climb up on top of about, I don't know, 15 or 20 foot high fall and falls and, and jump off. Some people do that. Uh, well, we're there with um, other churches from the denomination, but we're also there with just the community. And there's a guy from the community who decides to be cool and go out there. And some of the leaders that are part of our group are trying to encourage him to, to get off. He wasn't, he wasn't too happy with us yelling at him. Uh, but lo and behold, of course, my students decide, oh, well, someone else did it, therefore I can do it. Uh, but they missed the sign. They missed, if you, if you read this, you're not supposed to go here. There are consequences for going beyond this line. And in a sense, that's how we understand these covenant promises and curses. If you do these things, you remain with God's covenant promises. And if you don't do these things, there are covenant curses. Well, two of my kids went up, and I had to deal with the park ranger's frumpiness and displeasure with me and with my children or with our students as he comes to me and says, hey, if these kids get caught again, actually, I could throw you out right now if you want to. So not only are these two kids getting in trouble, but my church and youth group could get in trouble, but this guy also knew that I was associated with the larger ARP group that was there, so all this could go back to Bong Clarkin, and everyone could get in trouble because of just a couple people. A good, large issue in, in Lamentations, and as you look at this time in Israel's history, are, are the elders and, and, and the leadership of the church failing to give forth God's true message, uh, a call to repentance according to his word. And it just takes a couple people ruin the whole thing and we had that summer a couple of my kids could have ruined everyone's time in our free time up in the playing in the river it could have affected everybody so if judah was to remain faithful to god they would experience blessing if you remember the promises to abraham all nations will be blessed by you you will be a blessed nation your descendants will be numerous as uh, the dust of the earth um you're going to be a special treasure. So you think of these things that are the most important symbols to Israel and their history. And you see here, they're asking, look and see. And then our inheritance, those things that you promised to us are no longer here. And you see there that, that Judah is holding on to the things of God's promises rather than God's promises himself. You continue to read through, uh, you see our fathers have sinned. Verse 13, young men are compelled to grind. Uh, you see, let's see, back up to verse 12, princes are hung up by their hands. The family, social, and religious structures of God's people at this time are taken away. The most important aspects of suffering come through the destruction given by God and the withdrawal of his covenant blessings. The centerpieces are removed, their festivals, the monarchy, the temple, all these sorts of things. The physical signs of the covenant that Judah relied on are gone. And it does give us pause. What, what are potentially the physical signs in our lives as a community, as a church family? What are those things that maybe we hold on to and say, yes, Lord, thank you? but these are ours, rather than saying, Lord, all of this is yours. How might we serve you and live in obedience to you better? 
in past history, Israel lived under God's rule, and they always, you think of the time of the judges and the cycle that they went through of uh, uh, lack of obedience and needing rescue, rescue and restoration, lack of obedience needing rescue. Israel began to make covenants with communities that they shouldn't have. They attached themselves to ungodly things and ungodly people. And here, you look at chapter 2, verse 5, Yahweh is used against them. Yahweh has become like an enemy to God's people. God's people have neither local nation states or even Yahweh as their protector anymore. They're rejected by everyone. While the Babylonians think they've destroyed it all, really, Scripture tells us that the Lord has taken from them what he told he would take from them due to unfaithfulness. Point two, confession of covenant unfaithfulness. Not only are these people asking the Lord to remember, to look and see, but if you look down in verse 16, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Lamentations doesn't only express grief, it's confessing sins. This poem's communal. You look at Chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity, has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. You see in verse 16, again, for we have sinned. But you back up to verse 7, our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. There's a sense here in poem five that the people understand that sin is also communal. Not only is their grief communal, but the community as a whole needs to confess to the Lord their own struggles and the things that they're going through. Sin is multi-generational. Uh, maybe some of you enjoy reading uh, and understanding millennial generations or boomer generations or Gen X. I just I read an article last night, uh, unintended for the purpose of, of getting ready for today, but I thought it was very interesting um, how they correlate the boomers with millennials and certain characteristics that people share. Now, the author was also, I think he was Gen X like I am. I was born in 78, the tail end of Generation X. And he says, well, really, Gen X is just running things right now. Uh, and so, go Gen Generation X. Uh, but we need to be careful as God's people to pit one generation against another because we are God's people. God sees us as a whole. He sees who we are. He sees the people that he is saving. You think of, again, the Exodus. You think of what it means to be saved by God and how he intends or what he intends his church to be. So it is a, a sign I think we need to be careful in today's time to pit one generation against another. When really our, the strength of our theology and being a covenant people says, man, what a joy it is to be together. We can, we can fight together. We can struggle together. There's nowhere else on earth that really gets together at this hour on this day with so many different generations to sing to the God of this universe and, and give praise to his name. But there's also nowhere else who looks to a redeemer when we suffer and when we struggle because it's in his hands that we're committed 
It is his hands who guide us through joy and through sorrow. So in grief, doubt, and pain, uh, this prayer asks us to engage God's people in the church. I do, I do find it amazing. One thing I've seen in student ministry is, is when people leave the church, when we have students who leave the church and ask hard questions, they don't come to us often and ask those hard questions. They, they seek an article that agrees with their viewpoint, or they seek people who they find to be the comforting community to agree with them. So what does it mean for us to build a community where we can struggle with hard questions together instead of people feeling like when they grow up and leave, they really can't talk to us anymore because we don't understand. We don't have a shoulder to lean on or a shoulder to cry on. So how beautiful is it for us to confess our sins corporately and individually to be the community that the Lord has called us we confess. And then finally, a limping covenantal faith. These last verses, verse 19, but you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Through this difficulty, through this strife, what these people are going through, in the silence and lack of God's response, they remember what God's promises are. They know his truthfulness. They know what he desires for them. They know who he is, but you, O oh Lord, reign forever. Actually, restore us to yourself. To restore us to yourself in verse 21 says, in Hebrew, it says, cause us to turn. These people now are saying, don't give us back the things that we've lost. We need you, Lord. We don't need the festivals. We don't need the things that adorn your promises. We need your truth and your promises at this time. Restore us, rebuild us. Only you, Yahweh, can do this. So even in silence, they remember who their God is. And there's something interesting that happens in verse 22. This is how, this is how we have to let Lamentations be a difficult book. Because here at the end, you want everything to be very... Western, you want it to finish with a great thought or a great idea. Verses 21 and 22, restore to us yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry. Well, translating that word in verse 22, unless, can also be translated even though. So unless kind of makes you think, well, you know, unless you really are leaving us. Well, I mean, the Lord has, has executed his discipline on these people, and it's been pretty severe. So good translation, helpful translation, is even though you've done all this, we know you are still faithful to your promises, and we know that you love your people. But however embittered these passages can be, we see that these people are leaning on these promises. There's one commentator that says lamentations lies between the crucifixion and Easter Sunday. I mean, think about that. Lamentations is a book, and what it's expressing and feeling lies between the crucifixion and Easter Sunday. What happens on Saturday? What's that feeling? What are, what are disciples and apostles thinking at the time? What are the people who trusted Jesus' message? What are they thinking? And that's the sense that's a sentiment that Lamentations as a whole is expressing. And here in poem five is ending, is limping on. 
We think we're okay. We trust that we're okay. But man, it's, it's really hard to know that. So Lamentations ends with a limping faith. And we must be satisfied with that. There is faith. There is trust. But man, these people have been through a lot. And maybe that's where you are personally and as a community. You've been through a lot. And you're trusting on the Lord and you're grasping at his promises. Well, what's it mean to look like? What's it look like for us? And what do we lay our hope in? What do you lay your hope in? Is it in status? Is it in what you have? Or is it in the completed work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? What are you holding on to that you need to let go of in order to grasp the Lord's hand of salvation? Because it's at the foot of the cross and before an empty tomb that we are truly made new. It's not in the things we have. It's not in the stuff that we think are God's promises, but it's in the person and work of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to save sinners, not the righteous. Perhaps you've uttered these words. I believe. Help my unbelief. Perhaps you've uttered the words that the psalmist wrote and our Savior used. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps your faith has been so burdened by suffering that you don't know which way is up. And your legs, just like the boxer and the author of Lamentations, are amazingly wobbly. What do you, dear believer, what do you do when your faith is seemingly run out? What do you do when you're unsure of God's work in your life? What do you do when it seems that God has abandoned you? Well, you come to his word. You come to the sacraments. You come to see the broken body and the poured out blood shed for your life. That assurance you need, it's visible and we enact it as God's people. Perhaps it's when a baby is baptized or any new believer is baptized, you understand the washing of sins with the blood of Jesus. And you see it and you trust it and you need it. You come, like I said, to the table, you feast. You actually taste and see that the Lord is good. We're called to know this. Uh, this is a, a quote from a good hymn, because a sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Or, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Are these the places we go to when we struggle? Since it's only the Lord who restores, then hear his call. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are the hopeful promises that God's people looked for in this section of Lamentations, but it's what they knew of their God. They did not desire wrath and strife. It is their sin that put them there. But they laid hope 
in the Savior. They knew what was to come, but they struggled together. May we be God's people who see that we serve a God who exacted his wrath and justice on his son instead of us. We don't go through what Judah and God's people went through as they experienced these things in Lamentations. On this side, we confess Christ and see what he went through for us so that we might be made new, so that we may share with the world this God who saves, who gives mercy, shows mercy, and gives his abundant grace to us. So may we learn from Lamentations. Though it is sad, it is full of remembered hope causes us to find Jesus and to seek him out where we are in joy or in sorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us faith. And Lord, you know it's very often a limping faith. We, we do struggle, Lord. We do have sorrow. Uh, but man, we have great joy in the work of your son. So let us be the community you call us to be, families, the body of Christ, the people of Clover, the people of South Carolina, that we might serve you well, show others you, our amazing God that saves, who calls us to himself by the work of his son. For all these things in your name, in Jesus' name, amen.